Emotionless sex is dark. It's destructive and corrosive to one's spirit. I would have difficulty getting an erection. I would also experience some anxiety. You wrap your hand around the back of her neck. You pull her in tight. What do you feel? No expectation, as I said before. The care on one hand, the deletion of expectation on the other. Hold both, and you will master yourself and others. To be naked with another human being should be the safest place you could be. And in today's podcast, we're going to explore the different stages of sexual development. I've got a client story here I want to read out, but as we move on beyond that, I want to get into not only the different experiences I've seen in my life of the type of people that are seeking emotionless sex, how to avoid that, how to say no, how to respectfully entertain the space of someone in which that maybe you could help them to move beyond that pain. We're going to talk about many different things today. Today's going to be the very uh, spiritual level, as you can see. It's also going to be very tactical. I like to keep things pretty socially dynamically bound, as always, but not for too long. Not for too long, as I massage the back of my head. Hopefully you're massaging yourself with today's session. <laughs> Let's go. And with all that being said, this podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com, where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life, helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bold Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to BoldDojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at BoldDojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Link is down below in the description, or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible and also please drop a thumbs up on the video it just helps the youtube algorithm helps send out the video to more people in the community and if you find that you resonated share over a friend you think would resonate as well let's get into today's show so kicking off today's podcast i've got this email sent in by one of my clients which was in preparation for one of our sessions together and it was in regards to breaking down a recent sexual experience he had had and this is what he went to say the night before last i had sex with a girl and we're not going to use her real name. I'll just call her fake name Jenna for the purposes of today's session, uh, who I had hooked up with about two years ago. She's in a mutual friend group, and I went out with her and others for her birthday celebration. I knew we had mutual attraction, although I will say that I believe my attraction towards her was more on the physical level than the energetic slash emotional. After the event had ended, one of our friends was dropping off people as he had a car. He was dropping off Jenna at her friend's apartment, and then I was planning on getting out with her there under the pretense that I would call an Uber back to mine the apartment she was staying at was on the way to mine, so the Uber fare would be shorter. After we were both dropped off, after some short exchanges between us, we began making out. I will note that although I had no real apprehension about making the move to kiss her, she kissed me first. And sooner than I expected. We made out some, and I invited her to come back to my place in a certain city. This is in, located in the US, but I won't say any more than that. We Ubered back to my place, and I invited her in. After getting a glass of water and having a tiny bit of small talk, we were making out of my bed. The previous time we had sex, it was about two years ago. I had serious performance anxiety and the overall experience was not great. Just pausing here for context, he's in his early to mid-twenties and very sexually experienced as well. Getting back to the story, just tagging on to his experience two years ago, he said that he did get hard for a little bit, but he never came. Anyways, moving forward through the email. This time I was less worried as I've gotten used to slowing down the experience when needed. And I have been practicing semen retention and daily Kegel exercises, so I very rarely have difficulty maintaining an erection. However, this experience went in a similar way. 
She was very fast-paced and escalating and took off my clothes quickly. Probably only five or so minutes in when I was on top of her, she whispered to me, I like it rough. This was too fast for how I was feeling. And so I replied to her that although I enjoy rough sex, once I get warmed up a bit, I'd like to take things slow for now. I thought things were good, but despite this, once we were having or started having sex later, I would have difficulty getting an erection. I would also experience some anxiety. I cannot attest to how she was feeling internally and can only talk about how I was perceiving her behavior and demeanor. But from my perspective, the whole thing felt very emotionless to her. And I think this was why I was feeling anxious. I felt like I had no energetic connection with her at all. I had no idea whether I was pleasing her, how she was feeling about the sex in general, etc. She would make noises, but I couldn't read any particular excitement on her face. It was weird. Eventually, I decided I needed to slow things down again. I stopped the foreplay, in brackets, physical penetration had not happened yet, in brackets, and told her I just wanted to take a second to break. I lay beside her and tried to explain to her how I was feeling, and I told her about how normally when I'm with a girl sexually, I feel some level of an energetic connection with them, and that turns me on. I affirmed to her that I wasn't speaking about anything monogamous, but just a masculine to feminine polarity between two people. I also believe that she may be more masculine than the girls I'm used to being with, and that might have thrown me off a little as well. She received this well, and was comfortable enough to explain that she was assaulted about a year ago, and hasn't been able to open up sexually since. Although she was comfortable enough to share it, she said it so fast and nonchalant, I literally had to ask her to repeat it, because I didn't hear what she had said. I was very patient and empathetic with her at this time, and I held her, and I told her that I'm willing to listen to her, and if she feels like opening up more about it. But she changed the subject. She suggested we just talk in general and asked me how my relationship with my parents was. We talked about that some and I followed up by asking him what her top three values in life were. We exchanged personal stories and I felt a lot better. I told her I would go to the bathroom and get us some more water. And upon coming back, I began to cuddle her from behind and managed to get a full erection very easily. I believe this was specifically because of the comfort I had established with her through talking. We began having sex and great rhythm for about 15 minutes. Not spectacular sex, but definitely good. This changed when I slowed down and pulled out to change positions, and she told me to go down on her. Frankly, I didn't really want to do that. And I normally, I don't go down on a girl until I've been with her sexually a few times, or I'm extremely attracted to her, but I didn't know how to say no. So I obliged anyways. I think this felt a little uncomfortable to me and my heart really wasn't in the experience. We switched positions to her being on top and it just wasn't working very well at all. Plus I probably only had a 70% erection at this point. After a couple of relatively unsuccessful minutes there, I told her to lay on her side and tried to have sex with her from that position. It was at this point when I began to feel very disconnected and anxious about the situation. I was trying to guide her body to the next position and she felt like a dead weight. It's not necessarily that she was stiff, but she just wasn't emotionally receptive to my touch at all. It almost seemed like she was bored. At this point, I had anxiety about whether or not I was pleasing her, if this was boring her, etc. And my erection completely died. I gave her a kiss and explained that this just wasn't going to work. And the sex ended there. Afterwards, we talked a bit. And I tried to explain to her that it wasn't to do with her and that I found her very attractive, which in brackets, which was true, even at the personality level. In brackets. In the end, we sort of marked it up to bad chemistry, 
but frankly, I just felt bad about the experience in general. We slept together, and when I woke up in the morning, I had lots of anxiety and apprehension, in brackets, very similar to how I felt waking up in bed next to this other girl some months ago, in brackets. We talked a bit, and then she called an Uber and left. All in all, I kept my warmth and openness towards her, even if, even if I feel like I was shut off on the inside, and though, although it wasn't great, I don't think this was by any means an experience that she would regret or be upset about, which is good in regards to always trying to uplift, uplift the person that you're interacting with. I myself was also upset. However, because she left tons of hickeys all over my neck, this was something that she had done last time we were together, and I told her not to do it this time, but she did it anyways. I probably should have been more forceful in setting that boundary. All I said was that she should be more careful kissing my neck because it's sensitive, but that probably wasn't enough. In the morning, she said, sorry about your neck, but it did not feel authentic, like an authentic apology at all. And she had also said the night before how she finds it fun to put hickeys all over a guy's neck. This sort of upset me because it felt like she had crossed my personal boundaries with this and with telling me to give her head. Although I 100% believe that this is my own fault for not setting more explicitly strict boundaries. Overall, the experience left a tad bad taste in my mouth. It sounds dramatic, but I did feel a little bit used and emasculated after it. I noticed it closed up my sexual energy for the past two days, and I haven't been able to let go into sexual thoughts or feelings much at all. I'd love to know your take on it. If I were to sum it up, I think I was dealing with a more masculine woman. She was also bisexual and gets with many girls, which may explain her masculine nature, who may also have been shut off to expressing her emotions during sex due to her unfortunate experience with assault. I also think that I lacked the masculine frame and grounding to handle my own insecurity during sex, and I think I may also be dependent upon a woman's approval slash validation during sex to fully be able to let go into the experience. Okay, my friends, it's a very in-depth story, a lot of moving pieces, but let's just step back to the overarching principle of emotionless sex. It's a prime example of how if you continued having experiences like that, right, you would warp your perception of sexuality, it would become transactional, and then the masking of pain would eventually arrive at some point for lack of fulfillment. So there's the first point I want to target in this is the bad chemistry. The client and the woman chalked it up that it was bad sex because of bad chemistry. I disagree with this, and I don't accept that. I don't accept that bad chemistry leads to bad sex. I think a bad understanding of oneself leads to bad sex. Because this experience could have been halted and could have been changed of direction way, way prior to realizing that the sex was not going to work. I said to my client, did you have to have sex with her? Within our session together, did you have to have sex with her? Rhetorically, no, of course not. But that's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is that at a certain point, you must have realized that, or certainly you would have been privy to the signals of that something is amiss here. Number one, that she went to kiss you off the bat. Now, if you've got a girl that's just, uh, maybe if she's a little bit tipsy, or if that's just her style, and she's just very, as he said, very masculine, and she's just stepping into her masculine energy a little bit more than her feminine, but it is congruent, it is authentic within her, and you can feel that, you don't sense that this is coming from a pain point, then maybe you wouldn't chalk too much up into that. But looking back on the pattern of events here, it seems like that would have at least be the, that's definitely the beginning of the signals, even if you wouldn't make necessary, no, 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 I'm being too kid glovey there. I would definitely have changed behavior if I had been presented with a woman who, as soon as we got back out of the car, out of the Uber, to my apartment, just started making out with me and she's fully sober, fully aware and fully cognitive of everything. It wasn't a joke. It was like a actual conscious move to engage within sexuality. That's a miss. 
It's a miss because in between the dance between masculine and feminine energy, only one can lead. And it is the one that is more dominant within their masculine energy. Not to be confused with man and woman. You can have two women or two men. Whoever is more dominant within their masculine energy will lead that sexual dance. Now, I know my client. My client is not a... Well, I wouldn't say he's overtly or overweighted in his masculine energy. He knows how to lead. He knows how to lead the experience. He's very sexually... I wouldn't say he's very sexually competent, but he's very sexually experienced. And those are two very different things. The difference being that you can have a lot of very voluminous, you can have many sexual experiences, but to within your degree of quality within them would lead to a certain level of competence. And this is a very incompetent experience, and he acknowledges that. So coming back to it here, bad chemistry, was it? Hmm. Or was it a lack of setting of boundaries? There's a lack of knowing oneself. If I had been in that experience, and I have been in this experience before as well, many times actually, in which that, and this is where we're going to have to tag in the masking of pain. But just before we get off on tangents here, Many a time I've been in an experience with a woman in which that, with her overt sexuality, where she's really pushing very heavily to start this fire of sexual dance, when it's not really prime, it's not really privy, whether it's the environment, because you're sitting on a park bench, or because you literally just stepped out of the Uber, or because there's no rush. Because there's no rush, and this is something we've been discussing quite a bit in the podcast recently, is that a great signal to whether someone is within step and alignment with their sexual energy is the pacing. When things are good, when things are comfortable, when things are at ease, when things are relaxed, there's no rush. I step inside, lay down for a little bit. I want to make an allowance here, which is within our cognitive framework. If you are dealing with a girl that is, uh, and I, I, yeah, I have many experiences of this, so I'm hesitant to say that it could be more one than the other. I just want to present the different options and then you listening to this will have to relate your own experiences to it and make your best judgment but there are definitely going to be women that you come across that for whatever the reason may be they're just stepping more into their masculine energy they're embodying that more and that they want a faster sexual pace that's okay there's nothing wrong with that however you as the masculine being it is if you wish to maintain your role as the masculine being if you wish to set the frame as the masculine being and you don't wish to be put into a position in which that my client was here, then you will have to, the word push back comes to mind, but it's not really push back. It's more just display what it is that you have set as your comfortability, your level of comfortability. In this experience that if things were previously going, there were no alarm bells before this, stepping out of the Uber and you're going back into your place and she starts to make out of you then and there, there's absolutely no, no reason why he couldn't step back in that moment and say, hey, slow down, slow down. At first, because it's a very low-level move, right? You wouldn't necessarily need to say, hey, I'm not comfortable with you making out of me, right? You don't need to be a social justice warrior about it. Just relax. You can, if you're realizing though, this is a bit too much, a bit too soon, I just say, just break it up. Say, chill out, chill out a second. Hey, we've got all night here. Let's go inside, right? Take back the frame is what I'm saying because- Effectively, if you're looking at it, if you want to get very scientifically nerdy about what's happening in that moment, is that you are seeing the first display of a frame test between the two beings. Now, I want to be very careful in these discussions for those that are not enamored or enlightened with deep sexual practice or the understanding of masculine to feminine energy, in which that it can sound combative, it can sound combative, as I should have said, but it's really not. It's just that this is what happens between human beings. Right, we, we need to 
test the boundaries. We need to test the line. We need to see what a person is comfortable with. And that is why the word lead, progression, escalation, right? It's always a green light, red light, a testing of comfortability between each other. It's just most of the time happening subconsciously. So subconsciously, what's happening here is that you've got a woman that we now know who has been sexually assaulted before, has been, and as we now know as a result of the story, has likely formed something of a shell. Something of a shell and also a masking pattern in which that she has drained sexual experiences of all emotion. Now, you would need to, as to why she want to do that, I cannot go out on a limb. I can throw you potentialities because of the experiences I've had in which that girls that have been sexually assaulted before, one way that they learn to over, mm, overcome is not the right word. One way they learn to cope with that is to engage in many sexual experiences after that. Letting that truck go by. But to drain it of all emotional experience so as to protect themselves from getting hurt again. Uh, protection mechanism could be playing in. It could also be a disdain for the sexual practice itself. If a woman has been sexually assaulted and then goes on to form a belief, if you will, around sexual experience that it is a tainted experience. It is inherently imbued with negativity. And so it should never be given any more meaning than that of servicing the physical. So it becomes more of a transaction then, maybe not a masking of pain, but more of a, as I said before, a disdainful view towards sexuality. Which said, no, there's no way that someone could communicate love or care or an empathy for you through this particular avenue of humanity because all of I've experienced is pain. Uh, so there are many things I'm throwing out for you here. I don't know the woman. I don't know her. But one thing I did ask my client was, as I said before, did it ever occur to you that she may be masking with sex to cover her pain? It did not occur to her. Now, coming back to this bad chemistry thing. So that was the first point that I said that leading to the signals of, okay, something's a little bit off here in terms of sexual pacing. The fact that she went to kiss him so heavy to begin with. So how I would have handled that in the moment was just to play it off as a joke. Uh, you can just you can be jokey about it. You don't have to be a hardliner about it. You can just, she goes in to kiss you and then you literally just, um, you'd push her back, put her into a rear naked choke. I'm joking, of course. Well, but I'm not joking, but like it would be a joke. You would go to do something with her, pick her up, take her down, you know, move it to the side, but just take the frame back is what I'm saying. Anything that would be a display of you reestablishing that this is actually too fast for me. This is too much for me, but you don't have to do it in such a way that would end the experience, right? A girl goes to kiss you too hard. A girl, and just to give you a few different angles here, let's say that you're sitting in the movie next to each other or you're sitting on the park bank next to each other and she starts rubbing the inside of your leg. Maybe she goes to undo your zip or she's starting to nibble on your neck a little, a little bit too much for you, a little bit too fast for you, whatever, she, whatever it is, whatever you discern too fast of a pace to be. And by the way, you don't have to be a soft shell crab for this to be the case. I myself love a sexual temperature. I love a sexual pace. I love it, I love it very animalistic, but within its proper context within its aligned timing. And so as I have, was beginning to reference before, times that I've been with women that have showed overt sexuality and they're going too hot, too hot on the pace, just to whisper in her ear, slow it down, or it's okay, chill out, or hey, we'll get to it, or there'll be time for it. Anything that reestablishes, and all of those things I just said is a reestablishment of frame. 
That's the first major mistake that I could see him making here. Or at least just not... No. Yeah, put that right there. There was definitely a mistake not to reestablish the frame. So moving forward throughout the story, though, in which that... He said that the sex was good for the first 15 minutes. But if you would notice throughout the story, he referenced the changing of positions many times. And that also his erection was starting to go down. If one's concept of self is so tightly wrapped within a sexual experience to which that you are cognitive of which position you're having to put each other in, well, you've already broken it right there. Take a step back right there. Shouldn't even be having sex at that point. What you have already fundamentally missed is a establishment of trust and comfort within each other to which that you could relinquish your concept of self. And it is only when you relinquish your concept of self in which that you could elevate yourself to a sexual experience that is free-flowing, free-loving, nurturing, enchanting, really. right? Ecstasy. These words, all these words I'm throwing around to help point you to an experience in which that all of that would be achieved prior to you penetrating. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Sex is to be used as a reflection point only, not an activation point. Sex is a reflection of the comfort and trust you two had established together because of the bond formed between you two that needn't extend beyond this one experience. It does not need to extend into a monogamous, exclusive relationship for the rest of your life. It needn't extend into you having children after this. You may have deep, deep, fulfilling sexual experiences within an open style in which that there is no attachment, there is no formation of a relationship that extends anything more than what happens within this experience. But within this experience, you would honor it with the highest quality, the highest quality of a sexual experience in which that you trust each other, you are so comfortable to the point in which that you have let go of yourself. If that has not been established first, take a step back, slow down. So I just want to jump back to his email here just to paint out some of the raw details just to really give this some context in which that they'd only just entered the apartment. She was very fast paced and escalating and took his clothes off quickly. So right there, another signal when we talk about this bad, we're still on the bad chemistry to lead into bad sex, which you can start to see now had nothing to do with bad chemistry. Like that makes me more upset every single time I hear him say that. So, but let's, let's, let's keep things balanced here. So he went on to say again that, you know, it was only five or so minutes in that he was on top of her during the foreplay and she whispered to him, I like it rough. This was too fast for how he was feeling and he did voice this and they slowed it down, which was great. But he went on to say that from his perspective that things felt very emotionless to her and that he feels like this is why he was getting anxious and not able to maintain the erection. That he felt like there was no energetic connection with her, no idea whether he was actually pleasing her, how she was feeling about the sex in general. She would make noises, but couldn't read any particular excitement on her face. So I just want to get some of those raw details out for you guys because as you can see, more signals. More signals as things get heated, hotter and hotter. So if all the signals are leaning in one direction, then you know that the previous signals were not just noise. You know that if it's just one thing after the other, whether it's she was kissing too fast, taking my clothes off too fast, now she started saying that I like it rough, when we're having sex, but we're not even having sex yet, and we're definitely not in that sexual space yet. Like There's such a misreading of temperature. From her as a female saying that to him, that's very off-paced. You just need to flip the perspective. Imagine you've got a, not even I would say timid, he's not timid, but let's just say a normal balanced, when I say normal is too subjective, let's just say that you've got someone who is neither overtly sexual nor conservative, it's just someone who's in a midway, a mid-balance if you would say, that is not 
necessarily against having rough sex, but is not also literally dying to have it right now. You know what I'm saying? Strawberry shortcake, average person in the middle. Let's say that, but that was the female. Let's just reverse the roles in this story and say that my client was pushing on her, was trying to take her clothes off within the first five minutes, just getting escalating very quickly, was whispering into her ear during the foreplay, I like it rough. And he could sense that actually she's not really in that place. How blind to her social cues would he have to be for this to be chalked, to not be chalked up as just bad chemistry, but as bad social dynamics, as just a lack of social dynamics. That's what I'm seeing here. What I'm seeing here is that it's not that these two couldn't have great sexual chemistry. It's that it's not being allowed because of her lack of social dynamics, particularly within her pace of sexual escalation, but also his lack of social dynamics and his ability to set the boundary and his ability to communicate not even just communicate, because I will give him points. He did communicate that this was going too fast, so he definitely gets points for that, but not firm enough, not hard enough. Because as you see, as the story went on, he went on to continue as they went out. After that, they did the right thing. I think this is where the real, real fork in the road was. I'm not too upset or too uh, aggravated about what's happened up until this point, because he did stop it when things really seemed like they were going off the edge of a cliff. And they went and talked and she opened up about her assault and things got more comfortable. That's what he said. Yep, that's great. And he went out to the bathroom to get water. Yep. Then he comes back and then because of the newly established comfort, he felt like he got that erection back. It came back hard. And that's when they went to go have proper sexual penetration. At that point, did he have to have sex with her? Now, I don't mean that in the literality of things. I'm talking about that within the scape, the timeline of their sexual progression, knowing all the things they know, knowing that at this point, she's already made three to five, if you're being uh, conservative, three, but if you're being really accurate, probably about five major miscommunications of social dynamics in terms of pace. Like you, This is a thing that people don't understand, which is that it doesn't matter whether you think it's cool to be an animal, an absolute sexual animal and on that intense pace of things or whether you are on the most frigid, reserved, conservative side in which that you would just like to just sit there and kiss and that's it, right? Neither's better or worse. It's about coming into harmony with each other. It's about finding what that other person is, where they had their sexual set point and coming into frequency with that, coming into timing with that. That's where the magic happens. I've said this in many other podcasts regarding sexual pace, which is that a firebird cannot expect an ice turtle to match their pace. A firebird can always lower and reduce their pace to match the ice turtle shell. You can't force someone to heat up. You can cool down though. Now, there are problems. There are definitely problems in a long-going, ongoing relationship in which that it wasn't just the matter of, okay, we're nervous, we're anxious here, it's our first time together. And so my sexual set point was a little more reserved than it would normally be if you just had a few more experiences together, developed maybe a little more of the core comfort and trust with each other. And then maybe you would find a great harmony within your sexual set point. But if you have fundamental, where you've got someone who's maybe an eight to 10 on the sexual scale, and then you got someone who's a zero to two, 
and that's where you two sit, well, then nothing's ever going to change that. That's just two fundamentally different human beings. And that's when you can talk about bad chemistry. But that's not the case in the story. In the story, it's two years later. Yeah, they had a bit of a rubbish experience the first time, but that's two years ago. No reason why you couldn't hit the reset button on that. Try it again now. So they tried again now. Red, red flags, warning signals on her part the whole way through up until the point where he does the right thing, calls it in the moment, takes a step back, gets to understand her a little bit more, opens up the vulnerability. She gets to be a little bit more vulnerable. Hey, we get an enlightenment that she's been sexually assaulted before. And that's when I would really start to, if I was that person in that moment, which I have been many times now, in which that the first sign or the first acknowledgement from a woman that she's been sexually abused before, park it right there. Park it right there. Not park it right there for five minutes, 15 minutes, park it right there for the rest of the night. You don't need to go into sexual penetration and a deeper sexual experience upon hearing that knowledge. I think masculine beings find it very difficult to understand what that does psychologically to someone. And you think that because of the either absence of a red light or the feigning of a green light, that it's all good to go ahead and continue having sexual practice with this person. What I mean by that? Absence of a red light. Just because a woman is not giving you a red light does not mean that she is comfortable to have sex right now. And I don't just mean that within the affirmative consent of things. I don't just mean that legally. I mean that spiritually. I'm talking about girls that particularly have formed a veil of protection of over their vulnerability sexually. The veil is very pretty. It masks the pain underneath. They're not actively going to take it upon themselves to say to you, hey, can we, uh, can we just slow this down right now because actually I've been sexually abused in the past and I don't feel very comfortable right now. Yeah, there's, I've been with too many girls that have been sexually abused and it has never, not by me, by, I've never sexually abused a girl before, but have been on the back end of coming onto a girl who's either formed that shell over many years or has just newly, recently started to form that shell. You know how it normally comes out? You know how it's normally said? Either it's not said at all, which is what we're talking about right here, the absence of it, or when it is said, it's feigning. It's not a absolute direct admission. It's not a, okay, I just need to sit here and just tell you about this. It very rarely comes out that way. Why? Because it's painful. Because if, it, if that's still, if you're in an experience in which that the sexual chemistry, if you will, but really the sexual pace and the timing of things and the alignment of temperature between you two, if we're getting a little bit more specific, is so far off. If it's so far off, <clears throat> because, at least within her perspective, not taking into account my client at this point, but at, at this point, the only mistakes my client has made is just not setting boundaries, which is definitely mistakes, but they're not irreparable. They're not catastrophic mistakes. If you've got an experience here, a woman who's showing the experience of that, I'm going to overtly push the sexual energy and has not stated that this is prior to this, that she had any form of use before, but then somehow you did some magical work. I shouldn't say magical and somehow because I said that tongue in cheek. 
I say it as if it is magic because it happens so rarely. But really, I'm not surprised because this is what me and my clients work with. This is what we, what I teach people, which is that slow down. Take a moment. Ask some questions. Build some comfort. Build some trust. Breathe together. Get your hearts in alignment with each other. Get chest to chest. Feel the connection of humanity between you two, for God's sake. And then maybe a revelation of someone's previous abuse would be elucidated and illuminated for you. And it was. So why upon that point, why further from that point, would one need to deepen into the sexuality of things? It's not something to be brushed over is what I'm trying to say here. What I would have liked my client to have done in that moment is that I think he did, he at least saved the experience by saying when she said, I like it rough, and he recognized, okay, this is, we're in misalignment here sexually. Slow it down. Just talk about this is what I'm used to having in my sexual experiences. She opens up very briefly about that she's had sexual assault before. And by the way, this is also very common. Something I didn't finish before, by the way, how it does sound when they do open up about it. It's like I said before, never a direct admission. It's not going to come with an essay along with it. It's just going to be as this very common as this woman displayed here. She just dropped it as if it's a scientific fact that she has been sexually abused, but elaborated no more. He even had to ask her to reiterate because she said it so nonchalantly. The mistake was in thinking that it was nonchalant. The mistake was in not treating it with the utmost care of sensitivity to not want to dive into any more sexual experience until there has been a mutual understanding of what that sexual assault has led her to believe about her sexual practice. So that's very philosophical. What does it actually look like in the moment? I like what he did in the moment. Take a step out, get some water, talk about some things. She said she didn't want to talk about it. That's fine. That's fine. She didn't want to open up about it anymore and she decided to divert by asking him questions about other things. That's fine. You guys got all night. There's no rush. Don't have to talk about it now. No worries. Coming back, because you had established a little more comfort and you started to get that erection back, there's a trap. This is so common. This is so common amongst male clients that I've had in which that, you know, there was... In their words, they were having sexual performance anxiety. In my words, they're having sexual experience anxiety, right? To eradicate the word performance, you really want to eradicate that out of your sexual vernacular. Sexuality is not a performance. It is an experience. And actually using the word performance creates the anxiety. But if you look at it as a totality of an experience, you would slow down. You would learn to see the person in front of you. You'd learn to hold without grasping and to feel without needing to see without looking, coming into one and dying together to experience each other now. Give you a little moment to drink that in. But before we get into the really more advanced things like that a little bit later on, don't worry, keep things tactical here to begin with. We're still in the tacticality of breaking these down, this story down. I don't want to lose you yet. I don't want to take you into the deep levels yet. So as I was saying there, You've got all night. There's no rush. You slow it down. Just because you established a little more comfort, a little more trust, the erection came back, doesn't mean you have to use it. It doesn't mean that it's going to last all that long. You think that a corruption of, not only corruption, but misalignment, whatever it may be, what I'm speaking to words there is whether it's conscious, a corruption would be conscious, or I'm using the word corruption, I'm talking about it consciously, 
but if not just a misalignment, which would be more subconscious, unconscious, that there was a misalignment or corruption of sexual energy between you two. That's not going to be overcome within 30 minutes. That's not a 30-minute thing. For some people, that's not even a three-night thing. That's, that's going to be many sexual experiences for a lot of people to bring that alignment into place, particularly when you talk about PTSD. Talking about post-traumatic stress disorders, you're talking about formations of psychological complexes of inferiority, self-inadequacy, limiting beliefs, right? Their attachments to protection, right? Just the idea that one person would want to protect themselves within a sexual experience, while on the surface, that seems like a very almost necessary mechanism to have as a human being, it never really should be. It shouldn't be. Why? Because you should be selecting for partners that you care for, that care for you, that you trust, that trust you, that you've developed real comfort with. Those are the people that you should be having sexual experiences with. You should, if you're going into a sexual experience and you're guarded, stop. Take a step back. You already fucked up. You already made a gigantic mistake. You shouldn't even be in this at this point is what I'm saying. Calm the ship. Chitsuke. Or Chitsuke. We're slowing down here. Sorry, I get very emotional about these things. Well, I'm not sorry. But it gets off the tangent. So coming back to the point. When he had entered the room and he had established a little more comfort, a little more trust, felt that, and so the erection came back. Don't need to use it. I don't need to use it. Because at that point, had there been any more illumination of what her perspective towards sex was, as far as I know, not at all. And I do know, and it's not at all. Right? They said they had sex for, you know, great sex for about 15 minutes. First off, the fact that you could even time that, or he's aware of the concept of time, that means it wasn't great. As I was alluding to before, in which that a great sexual experience is a sexual experience in which that there is no concept of time, no concept of self anymore. So he might have been using the word great relative to where things were before or maybe great relative to what it was like two years ago. But in terms of great relative to what real true greatness could be between two human beings and a sexual experience, not great, not great. The fact that you could time it, not great. Or have even any concept of time, not great. So right there, I think that's where things really took the fork into the absolute, the badlands, if you will, where things really kind of fell off the cage. The cage door broke at that point. And what happened was that uh, many demons were let out. What I would have liked to have seen was that, yes, you have the erection. And because and likely, if you're lying down next to her in bed, she can feel that. If she can, she can... If she, bah, here's something I should not assume. Not something I should not assume. She already sounds... She already sounds like the type of woman that is quite deaf to sexual cues. And I don't mean that inherently. I mean that as a result of her perception towards sexuality. So I would like to find out why. As a masculine being in that moment, if she's misreading sexual pace, she's misread, she, she's communicating no emotion back to the topic of this podcast particularly. And there's a bit of a feature I need to start hammering on a little bit more in today's session. And I will start to do more on as things progress, which is that when you start to say that I can't see any excitement on her face pre- previously when they were having uh, foreplay, I don't know whether I'm really pleasing her or not. Those are massive, massive warning signs, massive red flags, massive signals. That something is that she is likely socially deaf, sexually deaf, not inherently necessarily. Not, what I'm saying there, what you need to understand there, is that given the chance to 
unravel herself. Given the chance to let go of her concept of self, she may attain and may be able to display and demonstrate true social acuity, true sexual acuity, to which she would be very honed and precise within her pace of sexuality, in which that you'd feel a melting of two beings into one, in which that the acts physically are no longer acts. Everything is done, yet nothing is left undone. You practice, I should say there, back to Lao Tzu. There is no act, but nothing is left undone. Really, that's a great way of summing up sex when it's on, which is that nothing is done. I'm not trying to move her into positions. I'm not trying to go down on her. I'm not trying to have her to go down on me. I'm not trying to make her orgasm. She's not trying to make me orgasm. Yet, none of it gets left undone. It all eventually gets done. And what we're speaking towards there in the Zen philosophy of things is what Lao Tzu described as a practice of indifference to an outcome, a practice of non-outcome, just to practice the practice. And when you are deep within a practice of practice, that is when you, by the way, that is just look, go back to that. Why did I say practice of practice? Because it's not just one person doing to the other. I inherently and unconsciously, I didn't intend to, for it to come out that way, but it came out that way because it only retroactively reflects that this is a dance between two people. So it is not just a practice, it is a practice of practice. So that needs to be in conjunction, in synchronicity with both of you. So if you're lying there in bed, and why did I get into this tangent? And this came, I know exactly where this came from. This came from because I was about to say, if you're lying there in bed with each other, after things got a little bit far off, but then you managed to save the ship, take a step back, break it up, develop some more comfort and trust, come back, it's very likely that your sexual energy will be stoked because you feel a little bit more comfortable. And that if she was socially cured, if she was not socially deaf, she would know that, she would feel that, she would be able to sense within your energy the tension released. She would... This is not... I was going to say it's a sixth sense. It's not a sixth sense. Maybe it is. Maybe you could look at it in many different ways. But it is just intuitive is the word I'm looking for. It is intuitive for a woman when a man is erect. She doesn't need to literally have physical confirmation of reaching down into you between your legs to realize that you're erect. So if you're lying there next to each other, she'll know. She'll, absolutely, she'll know. In the same way that if you are intuitively connected with a woman as a masculine being, you know when she's wet. You know when she's turned on. To be studied carefully, but not so carefully that you wrap yourself into the moment so that you can dissolve yourself into the moment. Like what I'm saying there is don't become a Jedi knight of nerdiness to try and think, hmm, hmm, am I reading the intuition of things? No, that will bar you from the intuition. So, slow yourself down. Upon you and upon my client re-achieving the solar direction and as a result of becoming more comfortable. That's when the massive mistake happened that he thought that, okay, now it's good. Now we're good to go. Now we're good to go, despite all the red flags and signals that had happened before this. No, 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 no. Uh, it's just, it's, it's quite painful for me uh, to think of because I'm wiping my eyes here, not only because it feels good, but also because it's to represent the anguish, which is that we still don't know the depth to which she perceives sexuality. We still don't know the depth 
to what the sexual assault has meant to her in her life. If you don't know the depths of those things, how on earth do you even expect to achieve a modicum of fulfillment of height, human height of sexual experience between each other? If you don't know the depths of the reasons for why someone would be emotionless during sex, and the incepting points, not only the incepting points, but the depth of those incepting points, you just don't understand that person. And if you don't understand that person, how can they understand you? That's a really important, as uh, many Zen philosophers, whether it be Sun Tzu or Lao Tzu or uh, Deng Ming Dao, Wen Dao, have elaborated throughout their teachings that you know, it's important to know oneself. And when you gain mastery over oneself, you have access to others. To know within oneself in this moment that I don't really understand why this woman is presenting this way. I need to find out. I don't just breeze over the fact that she said she was sexually assaulted and just forget about that and let's go into the next sexual experience. We need to at least attempt to understand. So what I would have liked to have happened in that experience, and if I was in that experience, was that upon achieving that new level of comfortability, I would have retested. I would have come back and said, after getting that word, I'd come back down. And even if I'm still feeling the erection, I don't need to do anything with it. Come back into her, look deeply into her eyes. I would have taken command of the moment, regained my masculine frame and say, yeah, come up here. Lead her by the hand. Get her to kneel down on the bed. Hands on her lap, kneeling down. I'm mirroring her. Hands in my lap, kneeling down, eye to eye. Stare into her eyes. Hey, listen, Jenna, just look into my eyes for a couple seconds. Likely, this woman's probably going to struggle. Women that have been sexually assaulted, have been abused before, struggle with maintaining solid eye contact. I don't know if that's the case with this woman. It's very common, though. So, whatever the case may be, I'm just preparing you. Let's just say that she does struggle with eye contact because... That would be the only issue here. Say she struggles with eye contact. Give her a limiting, uh, alleviating limits in which that, just a couple seconds, just give me a couple seconds of your eyes and then we can go back to talking. Uh, as, as long as she knows it's not going to be forever, reduces the pressure. Okay. Get into her eyes for a couple seconds. Really sit in as I just did for those of you listening to the podcast, you really need to be here on YouTube watching this, in which that you really practice a deletion of yourself. The concept of self is gone. If you can't stare into her eyes and delete who you are and feel that she deleted who she was, that is all the test you will need to know whether this should continue into sexuality. You do not trust each other and you do not comfort each other until you can look into each other's eyes and feel that you have become each other. And that does not require you to become a bodhisattva. This does not require for you to become a spiritual warrior or to become the Buddha himself. It does not require of you. It is not required of you to attain nirvana in order to look into someone's eyes and to delete yourself and to feel who they are at the truest level so that you could join in that fullest connection, the height of a human sexual experience in which that now, doing nothing, let leaving nothing undone, acting without acting, feeling, the feeling, the feelings, the feelings of 
what is really a purity of enlightenment that happens within a sexual practice. You don't have to become a Zen philosopher. You don't have to become a poet. You don't have to become an academic of all of these things to be able to experience them. Likely, many of you listening to this have experienced all the things I'm talking about, have attained a state of enlightenment within sexual practice, yet you didn't know it. Good. Good. Don't know it. Don't know it, and you will experience it. But by knowing it, you'll never experience it. And what that is to say is that if you're thinking, if you're thinking, if you're processing, if you're going, okay, this move now, okay, go down on her, or she goes down on me. No, 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 no. No, 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 take a step back. And for my younger listeners here, for those, or for those, I wouldn't say younger, uh, you may also be older numerically, but young within your sexual experience and sexual practice. I will talk about how to, we will go back, I'll make sure at the end of this podcast, we will re-ladder this to re-bamboo framework our way to go, well, how would I, how would one develop all the skills that you're talking about here within the right phases, within the right steps? Uh, what should come first? We'll talk about that later because there are some points I'm sure uh, that as things are getting a little bit more juicier, things are getting a little bit tastier, uh, I'm going to have to resurface some things because we are skipping over a lot of things. I realize we are skipping some things, but that's okay. We'll come back. What I'm on right now is that what I would have liked for him is to have done a not only a reconfirmation, I'm not thinking about this from the social dynamics point of view, although it would prove it out. What I'm saying is that because there had already been some breaking of boundaries prior of that, that just the fact that she was moving too fast with him and he didn't uh, slow it down fast enough. But he had reestablished that, which means they got back onto neutral playing ground at least within a social dynamics scape. And remember, just when I'm talking about things like this, don't see it as a war game. It's not combative. It's not war. It's literally just understanding where's this person's pieces on the board, where's this person's pieces on the board, so that we can eventually burn the board. Yeah? Okay. That's that's what's happening largely within human interactions well before any clothes come off. Like when you're just flirting with someone, it's pieces on the board. It's you're on the chessboard of each other. You're seeing how the other person plays, right? It's through sexual play and through teasing and testing and challenging that you find out, okay, what's this person's level? What's this person's limit? What's this person's uh, idea of fun? The idea of teasing, testing, challenging is it even within a concept and realm of my own. So never to be looked at as a war game, always just to be looked at as a fun game, a bubblegum game. Okay, so within this here, as he came back into the bedroom, I would have liked to have seen a reestablishment of what would, what he would have liked to have been balance, balance between their sexual energy. One of the best ways to achieve this is to get a confirmation between the eyes. As I said before, sit into each other's eyes. And if you can't get that true alignment, that true connection from my eye to hers, that I see you, that I am here with you, that it doesn't matter what you've been through in your life. I will not judge you for it. It doesn't matter what you have formed as a mental psychological complex as a result of those experiences. I'm not here to judge you for that either. I'm just here to understand you. I just here because I want to know. Because if I don't know you, then I can never fully experience you. Nor could you do the same for me. Emotionless sex is devoid of an understanding of who you are engaging with. Emotionless sex is devoid of really, truly understanding how that other person feels. You may think by barring your emotions off during a sexual experience that you're protecting yourself. Yeah, you may be, but you're also opening up the pathway to pain for the other person. 
it's different if you've got two other human beings. You've got two human beings that are both emotionless during sex, both barred off from releasing the true, really innate human emotions that are born within them, the core of who they are. You've got two people who are both doing the same thing. They're only perpetuating the pain within themselves, but at least they're not hurting the other person because the other person's coming from this similar point of pain. But if you've got someone who actually wants emotion full sex, that wants to feel a release of spirituality within their sexual experience to attain a state of enlightenment within their sexual practice. You are opening up the pathway to pain for them. You're not telling them to walk down it. My client walked down, that's his choice. It's his choice to continue having sex that, in his words, was bad chemistry, which in my words was not bad chemistry. It was a bad understanding of oneself. And so the only mistakes here that were made that led to pain was his own. She didn't cause him pain. She certainly opened up and allowed a... Jesus, that car was loud. She only uh, allowed a pathway to pain, but it was just his choice. No, Make no mistake, to walk down that pathway uh, that would lead to him feeling inadequate, that would lead to him feeling anxious, that would lead to him feeling uh, used in a way. But let's just be really clear about this. She didn't use him. He used himself. He forsaked his journey and his purpose, intent for sexual practice. That's where that feeling of being used comes from. The other person just happened to take advantage of that, that you were willing to go down that path. So it's responsibility both sides for sure. But always want to be clear about that. So coming back here, testing with the eyes. Get into each other's eyes, feels good. Come back down to the bed, get into each other's hearts. Get chest to chest, whether you want to be in spoon position or you want to be literally chest to chest, front on. You know, even just having a woman lie on top of you just to hug you, whether you're naked or not naked, doesn't matter. In this experience, for him particularly, probably better if they're not naked, actually. Because in this experience, I would have already called it a long time ago in terms of whether this should go forward in terms of sexual penetration. So... But really, I'm saying that retroactively. I'm saying that retrospectively in which that accounting for all the mistakes that he's made. But if he hadn't, so let me, what I'm, let me simplify that. If you had already had the cognition and awareness to know that, okay, this is definitely not, I don't want this and this should not progress into a further sexual penetration experience, then what we can do, then, then okay, then in this bear hug position, that's okay to be naked because you've already made your decision if you're going to stay true to that. But if you haven't made that decision, then it's probably safer actually just to put some clothes back on because you probably don't trust yourself at that point. But to just have her just hug you from on top. So she rests her head down on your chest. You wrap your hand around the back of her neck. You pull her in tight. You squeeze her. You squeeze yourself chest to chest. What do you feel? You don't need words. You don't need a whisper into her ear. Allow your frame to lead. What if she starts talking at him? Unlikely. Only if you keep talking. Within your own mind. Shut up. Turn it down. Turn down the thoughts of your mind. Feel the silence between each other. Allow this to breathe on throughout your experience. Breathe on without limit, without time. 
If you're truly there in the moment, you would gain a glimpse into the alignment of your heart with hers. Does my heart beat in sync with hers? Even placing my fingers on my chest now, I feel my heart beat. You do the same now. Right now in this podcast as you're listening. Just put a couple fingers on your heart. Feel it. Now when you're in a sexual experience, make sure you do the same. You know, necessary. You can use your fingers if you wish. But if you're that close to each other, if you're literally body to body, you should be able to feel a heartbeat. The eyes, the heart. It's just a matter of whether this gets ticked off, whether this gets greened off or not. If you feel an alignment, progress again. Feel an alignment, progress again. The maximum here though, to the maximum level of progression to finish this up, is that you would just lie together. Breathing, sitting in a true connection. And hopefully at some point, you would reiterate the question of, do you want to help me to understand what it is you've been through in your life, sexually? What it is, this is what I'm noticing about you. I've noticed that you're very emotionless. I noticed that I don't get a lot of feedback from your face. I don't see the light in your eyes. I don't, I don't feel that there is love coming through your actions here. That's how it feels to me. But just so you know, I don't judge you for that. I want to understand why. Is there anything you could help me to understand as to why that may be? Why is it that I feel this way? See now, everything that I just said with that, ooh, ooh, sounds, sounds very, very direct. It sounds very blunt. sounds very confronting, I should say. Very confronting. Maybe, maybe so, but maybe not so if you had already spent a good deal of time looking into her eyes, establishing true trust and comfort, feeling her heart, establishing true trust and true comfort. Maybe then, maybe then it would occur to you that someone would be willing, not even just willing, but forthcoming with opening up about their sexual experiences. And then maybe for the next hour or so would unload as to what it is they've been over their lives, as to what they have had to deal with, as to how that has led to why you are receiving emotionless signals, overtly too fast of a pace signals. And then, at the end of all of that, for you to, what do? What do with such knowledge? To brush the face from her hair, and to place your lips on her forehead, running your thumb over her eyelid, whispering in her ear that it's okay. Thank you. To whisper in her ear that it's okay. Thank you. You just need to absorb that. You just need to sit into that. That's all my client needed to do. 
seemingly very, very basic actions. Very basic, very rudimentary, almost boring, if you will, compared to going into sexual penetration. But as you can see, a pursuit of sexual penetration that lacks emotion. And what do we mean when we say emotion? What we say is energy in motion. And we say a flux of the energy within her wrapping itself around yours, elevating each other within to the sky, in which that a dissolution, a dispelling, a disbursement of such energy to join the ether, to join the eternity of all energy. As I said before, the practicing the state of enlightenment within your sexual practice. Well, none of that could be achieved. And none of that would be achieved if you didn't understand the person in front of you. If you didn't let that person feel truly at the core that you want to understand them, you want to know them, you care for them. Caring for someone within a sexual space means that if they are emotionally locked off, if they are emotionally restricted, that you need to know, not even just want to, you need to know why, so you could best care for them. What if some, and I'm going to say what if, just to be scientific, but it's more than what if, it's most likely. But what if, as he continued to have, or went on to have sex with her, and it just broke down, that there was just another little piece of her that went a little cold. You know, just a, another small piece, another small fragment of her heart went a little bit colder. Because here's just another experience of corrupted sexuality. Another reference of how sexual practice is not fulfilling. And I don't mean that on the physical level. I don't mean whether she came to feel good endorphin-wise, dopamine-wise within her pleasure centers. I'm talking about within the pleasure center of her spirit. That's why I was not particularly happy. I was not particularly happy with this experience from my client who should know better. But that is his journey and not mine to judge. I'm here for all my clients and I, of course, need to give them the feedback. That's my purpose as a coach, is to give feedback. And I'll tell my clients abruptly and bruntly when things are on and when things are not on. And this was not on, which he knows. So I didn't need to flame him too hard within the session itself because I think he knows that. To the degree to the degree that he knows that with which I've discussed within this session, clearly not. Clearly not. But that's okay because that is the journey and that is now where I'd like to take this podcast, which is the journey. The journey of such things. So, what if you are 16 years old listening to this? Or, if not 16, because I probably shouldn't be uh, so ageist, <laughs> what if you are just... Uh, lacking within sexual practice, how would you get to the place of which I've just described to confidently, consistently enter a state of enlightenment within sexual practice to which it is imbued with deep emotion, deep, deep energy and motion? And how, how also would you get to the place in which that you would be able to receive the signal of someone who is emotionless, someone who is veiled up someone who is locked down within their sexual energy how would you get to the place in which being able to handle that 
in the way that I've discussed in this podcast. Because it seems like if you were to just literally take all the tactical points of this podcast and try and do it in one moment, that's too much for one person. It's like, holy shit, what you've just described here? I think there's maybe 10 more. That's, that's, that's being generous. I think there's maybe 5% of the audience that listens to what I've said within this podcast that actually know what I'm talking about. That actually know. I'm not saying can conceptually conceive of what I'm saying, but know. The word know being the operative word. That they have experienced it. That they have experienced a true relinquishment of oneself, a deletion of self and time in order to experience the true height of human sexuality and reach a place of enlightenment. I think there's maybe 5% of the people listening to this that actually know what I'm talking about. Because it's so rare. Because it's so rare. But in its rarity, you will not find difficulty. What I mean by that is to be a practitioner of social dynamics, to be a practitioner of human dynamics, to be a practitioner of humanity, you find power and you will find power comes to you so that you may lift others up. As you start to master yourself, you may teach others to master themselves. I can say for sure that 16 to 19 year old Adam listening to this podcast it would be in the same boat as many other people listening to this podcast. Would have little to no concept of what I have discussed here. The very idea, probably has never even heard the idea that you could reach a state of enlightenment through sexual practice. That you would first need to truly understand someone, even the ideas of just looking into someone's eyes actively, proactively, sitting, feeling their heartbeat against yours proactively. These things, you just, you just don't hear them. I don't hear this from anyone else. Yet they are in fact the tools to which you would build a bridge within someone's heart in order to cross a river in order to understand who they truly were. And what could be more necessary? And what could be more necessary as I can hear my 16-year-old self asking, is that necessary? What could be more necessary? If you wish to experience the true height of sexuality between human beings, of course, if you do not care for that, then don't worry about it. But let's say you do care about it. Let's say you are someone who has little to no sexual practice. Maybe you are younger in life. Here's the progression. So if you're asking, how on earth did I come to this understanding? Who, who taught me this? Well, no one. No one but everyone. What that is to say is that there's not been a text, there's not a single text that is titled The Practice of Sexual Enlightenment. While maybe that's something I should write up. Maybe that's a book I could write for you one day. It is just been my sexual experiences, the practice, combining Zen philosophy, combining practices I've seen, whether it be Japanese, Korean, Indian, within Zen, and then looking at how that could be applied within raw sexuality. I've tried to read the Kama Sutra. I just don't think I've read the right version. It's like I've, I've read, I've read, I've attempted to read one of them, read it once, but it just didn't jive. I just wasn't feeling it. It was very, very wordy. And so maybe I need to find a better translation. But so yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I've studied. I'm definitely not a student of the Kama Sutra. Just student, student of life. Student of the journey.
And so this is the journey, my friends. It's okay when you are sexually underdeveloped to go through your first sexual experiences just learning about the cogs and the levers, learning about, okay, when I put my tongue here, what does that do? When I slide my fingers in there, how does that feel? When she wraps her lips around that, what does that feel like? Is that too much? Is that too rough? Is that too fast? Is that too slow? The real physical mechanics as to what I'm describing within sexual play. This is where my argument for monogamy comes in. And for those of you who know that I'm, while I'm not particularly a fan of monogamy for myself, I'm not against it, absolutely not against it, but I acknowledge that monogamy is most likely and has been, has proven out to be the best relationship framework for civilization. I agree with that. And that's why monogamy has persisted for so long. In which that it just allows more of us to persist within stable structures. Do I think that it's best for everyone? No, absolutely not. But I'm just trying to avoid getting into the whole monogamy versus polygamy debate here. All I'm, all I'm going to acknowledge is that human, the best mating style, like because what I'm talking about there is what is just largely beneficial for society, but and really I'm trying to harmonize with various academics there, like to meet them halfway. But if you really want to get to my core, <laughs> here we go. So okay, yeah, we'll stop it here. So based on my perspective, the best mating style, the best relationship style for a human being is the one that serves you the greatest opportunity to learn what you need to learn now. What you need to learn now. Monogamy, polygamy, they're only tools. Right? They're tools for you to understand who you are now. At different stages of life, they will mean different things. The reason why I brought this up, perfect segue, or perfect retie, is to come back to the point of if that you're 16 years old, the best relationship style for a 16-year-old is by far monogamy. My first ever sexual experience when I full penetration was when I was 16. Monogamous relationship. I would never change a thing about that. If you, if you said to me, could you go back and... What if you were polygamous with her? And actually, this is perfect. This is perfect. Because that option was almost there. I almost took that option, actually. Ho, ho, ho. Here comes a story. Here comes a story. Some of you, the OGs of the podcast, will know the story. But if you're new, you definitely haven't heard this. Because well, you're new. But I haven't talked about it in a good while. So I won't go into the full long story version, but. What I was saying there is that I could have gone down the path of having my first sexual experience within a polygamous slash open style, but I didn't. So my first ever true sexual experience that wasn't penetration, but was just fingering and the wristy was when I was 13, but that didn't go to penetration, but that was a monogamous relationship. Again, wouldn't change that. Was in love with that girl. But then at 16... Just before I had met my 16-year-old girlfriend, there was, as I've referred to, I think it's in the Slut podcast. I forgot the title of it. I forgot the title of that podcast, but it's something about how to do it. Something, some, the word slut is in the title, I can't, but it's actually all about accepting girls for their sexuality, so it's a bit of a curveball. It gets girls fired up because of the title, but when they actually listen to the podcast, they realize it's fucking money. So <laughs> I can't say that from personal experience. One of my best mates' uh, wives, she got fired up at the title because it's something like uh, how to understand sluts or how... Not, it's not that. It's not even that empathetic. It's something else. It's a little bit triggery, the title. Whatever. It might, I think I talked about it within that podcast, if not I've talked about it before. 
But there was a girl who was known as the high school slut when I was in high school, when I was about 15, 16. And we got to be real friendly with each other, just organically, just going into high school, going doing bio, we got put in the same biology class, sat next to each other, and things were just building. But I was, despite her framing as the high school slut, and she gets around a lot, she's a very attractive girl as well, of course. Well, not of course, not necessarily. Not all sluts are necessarily, well, when I say sluts, not all very highly promiscuous girls are necessarily very attractive, but this girl was particularly. And when guys started to see that I was hanging out with her at lunch a lot more and like I was getting around that, we'll meet up on weekends and we'll go do stuff in the mall together, that's, you know, people will think, oh, Adam's in with, uh, call a fake name Jenna as well, Adam's in with Jenna here. Yeah. So Adam's going to get lucky, Adam's going to get late. I was getting those, those kind of daps from uh, the other guys, but it never really computed with me. It didn't really make sense to me because I didn't see her as the high school slut. I just saw her as Jenna. I just saw her as a girl who's really cool. We get each other. We write notes to each other in class. We throw them across the room. We laugh. We get each other's jokes. You know, it's just a good time. And anyways, fast forwarding the story because it's a much longer story. It's a really good story, actually. It's a really good story. So I feel like, I feel like right now, because I'm no longer going to do it, I actually would highly encourage. I'm actually just going to, for one second here. Okay, here we go. So the title of the podcast is called Advice for Insecure Guys with Slutty Girls. Social Q&A Live, Season 6, Episode 62. Now, I don't know if that's, that's where the story actually is. Yes, it is. Yes, it fucking is. My memory is legit. So at one hour and 52 minute mark of... Advice for insecure guys with slutty girls, social Q&A live, season six, episode 62. At the one hour 52 mark, the high school slut story begins. Bam. Here we go. That's legit. Okay. So my memory is on point. So if you want the full story, you can go check it out. Anyways, getting back just to fast forward it here. Things were really hitting up between her and I, and we had come to make an out in a laundry room while her parents were out helping the kids get into the car at some point. Anyways, things were progressing and it really did look like we were going to become boyfriend and girlfriend. Yet I'd heard that she had gone to a party one weekend shortly after that and had been given double wristies uh, to two guys at a party. And of course, we weren't in a relationship, but I got distraught over this. Like I, I felt betrayed. I felt deceived, even though we didn't have any actual arrangement between each other. It's just because I was very white nighty at that time. I was... Yeah, I was only used to monogamy at that point. So I didn't know about that. And my ex-girlfriend at the time warned me, says, I told you, I told you, Joey. That was my nickname from her. I told you, Joey, that's what was going to happen. And and she's like, this is the type of girl she is. That's her reputation. And I'm like, I guess, and I was so destroyed because I'm like, I didn't want to believe it was true, I guess. But anyways, like I'm really circumnavigating a lot of the emotional pain within that story. You really got to go listen to it. It's a fantastic story. But for today's purposes, I will not dive in too deeply so so i pulled the pin on that relationship to get to the point of the story i pulled the pin after that saying i never want to see her again and i just cut all comms and went full ghost on her and i didn't go into what was in my mind 99.99 percent guaranteed this was going to be the losing of my virginity yeah because i was i wanted that to be with a girl that i was in love with and I was falling in love with her as well. So that was what made it even more painful. So anyways, bringing this back up, bringing this back to the point. 
relationship styles, mating styles. I think to lose your virginity, I would recommend you do that through a monogamous loving relationship. Listen, as long as it's a loving relationship, that's what matters the most. Could you find, could a, say a 16, could a 16 year old Adam find maybe a 20, 20 year old, 18, 20 year old woman, girl at that point really, but I'm saying and a more mature being than him relative to him that would actually be able to guide him through a sexual experience that was immersed within love. It's definitely possible. And would I say to him, don't go through that experience because you're not within monogamy? No, no, I'm not trying to draw hard and fast lines here. All I'm trying to say is that because this is, I know we're going really deep into the weeds here, but that's what the podcast is. Where we are within the framework of this podcast is learning the journey of practicing sexually towards the state of enlightenment. The first part of that journey is learning the cogs, the mechanisms of sex itself, how to actually do the thing. And it is okay as you're learning to do the thing, to be bereft of a spiritual sense, to be uneducated and unknowing of what it means, of what even the concept of enlightenment within sexual space would be and what orgasm of self deletion of time of self would be all of that is perfectly okay because you are just learning what the actual act is i am that's your first stage it just so happens what the point i was trying to go on with all this whole relationship stuff was that that it would likely most likely be better served within a monogamous relationship because at least then you two have a mutual understanding and not just monogamous but obviously predicated on healthy monogamous where you two love each other, you two care for each other, you two want the best for each other, you two are relatively, in best cases, when you're young, in best cases, probably, well, really, if we're being really true, best case, a younger male would have a slightly more mature female to help guide him through, but good case would be that you two are both uneducated, so blind leading the blind. Worst case, that you have someone who is just, misaligned yeah worst case being misaligned that's the right word so what i'm saying there is that when i lost my virginity at 16 with my actual girlfriend who i was deeply in love with it was a beautiful experience and we got to learn the cogs and the levers with each other that was the whole point of it we had that unyielding unconditioned patience and trust for each other to try and work out what this whole sex thing is. We worked out sex together. While yes, I had access to pornography at that time. And yeah, I was watched as every every 16-year-old kid who doesn't have a hardline older brother who's telling him, listen, man, if you continue watching porn, you're going to become a sad, lonely old man. As if you have not referenced my podcast, a full guide to being a sad, lonely old man, which you should definitely reference if you are a male who's still watching porn. Please go watch that podcast straight after this. So if I had a 16-year-old little brother right now, what I'm saying is that, listen, yeah, have a look at it, see what porn's like, see how crazy and ridiculous it is, and then realize that this is bullshit, that this is detrimental to your journey in life, and never access it again. It's like you need to understand what it is for your cultural understanding. You need to know what it is so that you can relate to other people that are addicted to it. You can relate to the girls that work within it. You can have a greater understanding of humanity. Okay, yes, there is definitely a benefit to knowing and to having yourself uh, educated in what porn is. But it, to get to reach to the point of where it's a usage, where you're using porn as fulfillment, as desire, as 
a sustenance, really a replacement of existence, that's when you've burnt yourself. That's when you've burnt yourself alive and you'll relegate yourself to becoming a sad, lonely old man for the rest of your life, for goodness sake. So please, please, I would have a 16-year-old version of myself or a 16-year-old brother right now. And as I was saying before, the reason why I brought out the porn thing is that, yeah, have a look at what it is. And so you just see what sex can be like, I guess, right? But separate from that as soon as possible and then go learn to work out sex yourself with someone that you love. Learn to work, because that is exactly what I did. It's that, and see, this is the thing is that people, people who are very, very conservative, who think there should be no porn whatsoever at all at any time at any stage. Not everyone is so hard case to the point in which that they are doomed to becoming sad, lonely old men, or if you're a female, just the reverse or the change of the genders of that, sad, lonely old woman. Because you got addicted to porn. Not everyone's going to get addicted to porn just because they watch porn. I didn't get addicted to porn even though all throughout my teen years I watched porn. How did I avoid that, by the way? Deep sexual practice. Because porn was never the number one. It was never my number one source of sexual education. My number one source of sexual education was actual human connection. As it always should have been. So we're going to remove ourselves from the weeds of this porn discussion here. To say that, yeah, work out sex with someone that you love. That's definitely best case scenario. But Adam, what if I'm not 16 years old? What if I'm a 22-year-old, 25-year-old? What if you're this client? Or what if you're even 30, 35, getting close to 40? And you've ever had sex maybe once and it was terrible because it was just a one-night stand or you, you and your boys were on a trip through Vietnam and the massage girl got a little bit too frisky and they slipped her a hundo and, you know, okay, then you go. Or, you know, or maybe you've got some really hard case scenarios in which they got someone who's uh, psychologically challenged, mentally challenged, who's only ever had to go to prostitutes before, uh, sex workers because that's all they've known or that's all they've been capable. You know, there's, there's so many different examples here. Uh, here's, here's the bedrock. Here's to help relate to everyone. Once you have, there's too many nuances for me to address everyone because there is no one box fit. But if I could, that's what I'm trying to challenge myself to produce right now. But it may end up being that the challenges would naturally result in a non-result. So let me try and work it out here. Let's see if it's possible, is what I'm saying. Acknowledging that if you have no concept of the levers and the cogs of sexual practice, you definitely need to get a grip on that first before anything spiritual could come in. Why is that the case though? Let me put a bit of beef behind that. Let me put a bit of, why do I think that? Because if you are so unconfident, if you are so unconfident within sexual practice, to the very degree of that you don't even know how to kiss a girl, you don't even. And when I say kiss a girl, I don't mean just literally put my lips on hers, but to kiss in a way that would ravage her, that would send her to the moon, that would feel as if your tongues are on an endless connection with each other, that they just wrap and wrap around each other, that when you kiss, you talk to each other. You know, most people don't understand about kissing is that kissing is communication, kissing is signaling to each other how you feel about them. 
kissing is much more than just the physical act, as is sex is much more than the physical act of penetrating someone. It is the joining of each other. See how it's so difficult to separate the uh, these deeper concepts. So I'm trying to keep them basic here. Let me just keep it basic though. So let's say you don't understand what kissing is. You have no concept of what that means. Like you, you may have kissed someone before, but you never actually kissed them. You didn't actually feel that when you entered her mouth, that you became her and that the vice versa happened. It's, I've got to, I've got to pause. I've got, it's just it's so hard for me because you see, it's such a full synchronicity. It's so hard to segment something that should be fully synchronized. So I'm going to do it again. Give me another try here. <laughs> more to know. Let's try one more time. Practice kissy. There we go. So there we go. That's all I had to say. If you don't, if you've never, if you have no experience actually putting your lips on a girl, you're going to need to actually have some experience putting your lips on a girl before, before the feeling of your tongues intertwining, intertwining your spiritual concepts. There we go. There we go. It's so hard to separate that back. I love it. I love it. Ah. <laughs> it's like, it's a mistake I'm happy about. It's a mistake you want to make. So, <clears throat> so to clean, clean it up. Clean it up. If you've never gone down on a girl before and you don't know what it means to bring about a girl, clitoral, stimulate a clitoral orgasm or a G-spot orgasm with your fingers underneath or both at the same time, which is spectacular. Not particularly difficult, but spectacular all the same. It's a real, it's a real time when you master that skill, which often leads to squirting, of course. These things... Right, all the different various positions from doggy style to missionary to all these different crazy, really, uh, what I would say, really exotic positions where it's like you're off onto different angles, you're using leverage points within the bed, you're using the wall. You, you know, there's all these different, different things. You're standing up against the doorway. There's, you know, and you're playing with all this and you're having fun with all this and you're learning to just I get cogs and levers, cogs and levers of just how things work. Work it out, work it out, right? And you work out that actually... <laughs> that's way too that's way too I'm gonna pause that right there I'm gonna pause that right there but let's let's just say this you, you work out yeah I'm gonna just pause that <laughs> I'm gonna pause that just to keep this I mean I normally I normally don't hold back on the sexually explicit stuff but I'm realizing that, that is actually not uh, relevant for this particular point maybe later on in the podcast I can get back to that but yeah okay so Once you have an understanding of this sexual of the physical sexual movements and the play itself, and the reason why I said that I don't think you could access the spiritual level, which is what you just saw, is because if you really have no concept of what it means to put your body in connection with someone else's, you're just going to be so anxious. There's going to be so many nerves running there, particularly if you're later stage, particularly if you're someone who's been a virgin uh, up until 20, 25, 30 or so, even, even more extreme going beyond that. Right, you're likely you're going to have something of a psychological complex. Even if you're not a virgin, I've got many clients that aren't virgins, but just have never experienced the level of sexuality that I've been discussing. That's always stage one. Moving beyond that, finally, it's it's something that we could talk about for quite a bit. But I'm uh, I'm trying to, if you know, you know, I'm doing my best if this section has not taken an entire podcast to go through 
because just for those of you that were wondering, the point that I hesitated on before was anal sex before. I was like, I was going to go like, you need to work out. <laughs> you need to work out uh, how to do anal sex in a clean way. Like these things, these things. <laughs> it's like I was about to fly into an absolute story on that, but I realized that's probably not relevant for this part of the podcast. <clears throat> Anal sex is not always clean. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. So, okay. So, but this is the shit that you were. <laughs> what a pun. All right. So this is the stuff that you will work out uh, that you need to work out. So, okay. Step to the next level. There. Have some fun about it. We step to the next level. We'll get, we'll get serious again. Ah. Uh-huh. Once you feel that you are competent within the mechanics of sexual play itself, and that hopefully that would, in best case scenario, happen within one relationship where you guys had deep sexual practice together in your early stages, but that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you're going to have to take a few more tries. But I would still, uh, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be through monogamy if you're in your early 20s. In fact, actually, for a lot of people in their early 20s, uh, a monogamous relationship is probably not the best mating style. It depends, definitely depends on your life situation and what your most important lesson to learn right now is. But I know for a lot of people in their early 20s who are in adventurous, traveling, explorative stages of life, really trying to understand who they are, uh, a lockdown relationship is often not the best case. Sometimes it is though. Like I'm not going to draw hard and fast lines here. Okay, you got to know yourself. As you know yourself, also your emotional temperament for whether you could even handle an open relationship that's uh, something to be considered also with a coach as well. It doesn't have to be me, but someone who could give you third perspective, who could question you on your beliefs around yourself, hierarchy of people within your life, etc. Yada, yada. Moving beyond all that though. To elevate to the next stage of your sexual development, into which that now sex is, sex is no longer sex. Sex is only the reflection of love. And now you start to, in your... It's hard to put a time frame on it because it depends on who you are. But if we just use my story now, through my late teens to early 20s, start to understand that, okay, we're going beyond sex as sex to now sex is love and love is sex. That we make love, not sex. Sex happens as a result of love. And now you start to foray into a concept of what love is in relation to sex. And what love is in relation to sex is not a Disney narrative. It's not a Disney story. It is not the monogamy of things. It is not the exclusivity of things. It is not the white picket fence and children of things. Love itself, the true deep concept of what love can be between two human beings. Two things I would like you to hold. Care and deletion to care so deeply for someone that you give all of yourself to them in that moment. For that moment. The deletion of an expectation that they would do the same for you. That they would give all of themselves to you. You don't expect that. You give all of yourself. You practice a true vulnerability. You practice a true state of openness, of loving, Joyous, peaceful, compassionate. Simultaneously, 
you do not expect the other person to reciprocate that. For your expectation, if it were to be born, would only prevent them from doing that. It is not true love to expect that the other person gives it back to you. That is a love on condition. We are looking for love without condition. To have love without condition is divine. I don't use that word very often. I don't think I've ever used that word in this podcast, actually. Not like that. But it's true. Love without condition, love without expectation is enlightened. Because you could not simultaneously maintain a state and awareness of oneself in order to give that kind of love. For the nature of one's ego is self-serving. Throughout my late teens to early 20s, we start to foray into this concept. Now, I just laid it all out for you then, but it doesn't start, it doesn't, not all of that has to happen within one experience. In fact, most of the time it won't. Most of the time what's going to happen is that you walk into an experience going, whether because you heard it in this podcast, which wasn't the case for me, for me it was just natural curiosity, that I noticed that when I go into a sexual space with a woman, all of the problems happen when you rush. All of the problems happen when you don't take the time to understand who that person is. So let me understand who that person is. Brings me back to one particular girl that I was with in my early 20s. The mansion story girl. Who was the first girl. Was, what happened? She was stay, stay, staying in one of her friend's mansions. And there's an entire podcast clip. If you go onto the podcast channel. If you go on the bowl the Bowl YouTube channel, type in the mansion story. I've cut it up as a specific clip. It's only on YouTube. It's from a larger of like four or five hour social Q&A live. But the actual clip I have cut up, it's worth going back to. Uh, the story is absolutely brilliant. It's one of the greatest stories you'll ever hear. Just in terms of stories, it's one of the greatest stories. But in terms of the sexual lessons within it, tremendous. And so, yeah, in those early 20s, and it was the first time I'd heard a girl who said, uh, you know, don't hurt me just before we are about to have sex. Not because I had shown any sign that I was going to hurt her, but because she had been hurt before. I had been nothing, and it had been nothing but beautiful between us leading up to that moment. And she just whispered in as we were in the spoon position. And she looked back over, twisted back and said, whispered in my ear, don't hurt me. And at the time it didn't compute because it's like, why would I hurt you? I've never hurt a girl in my life. Why would I hurt this girl? Oh, because, and not in that moment, but reflecting later on, it seems to be that whether for malice, malevolent intent, or just because of unconscious in-awareness, that's not a word. What's, What's the word I'm looking for? Naivete, I guess you would say. Yes, that is definitely the word. Whether because of malevolence or naivete, that a masculine being hurt a girl. Seems to be that this can happen quite commonly, as I would then find out, to progress throughout my life. It was upon that moment I realized that the sex thing is much more than just about sex. She didn't need to say that and could not have said that if she didn't feel, because it wasn't a statement of definition. It wasn't, don't hurt me, as in, hey, you better not hurt me here. 
it was the most vulnerable, kitten-like, emotion-full, emotion-all display of someone's true heart, in which that she's been hurt before, but when she says, don't hurt me, she's saying it as in, because I know you won't, because I trust you. It wasn't a protective, don't hurt me. It was communication of this is who I am. I'm raw. I'm naked here with you. Not only naked in body, but naked in spirit. It was a reverse of words. It was more take care of me than don't hurt me. And that's when you start to realize that sex is not just sex. That actually... You would like to play those words onto sex is love, but it's not. It's actually a lot bit deeper, a lot deeper than that. It's that love happens as love happens first, which would lead to a gateway down a path you would walk one day to look back to realize that sex happened along the way. You know, the gate was labeled love, and the pathway was through sex. But it's only looking back that you realize that fact. Looking forward, there's, there's just the clear sky with the clear moon. With a clear mind and a clear heart, you'd come to realize the true nature of life. And that is deeply woven into our sexual experiences of each other. But only if you were so inclined to adventure and educate yourself in such matters. That I could understand the true nature of reality, of who I am, who other people are, through sexual practice, and access that state of enlightenment I have been alluding to so often within this podcast. Not even just alluding to, but discussing and describing so much within this podcast. Through the gateway of love, may a pathway of indescribable sexual experience be accessed. You may open that gate. You may knock on that gate many times and fail, as my client did here in this story today. To try and make the analogy fit his story, I felt that if looking back on his story... He arrived at the gate, but realized that the person who was going to walk in with him didn't see the same gate as him, didn't see that love was the gate, and actually she would prefer to not go through that gate at all. So she took him down a different pathway, a pathway that had no gate, a pathway that was disheveled in decay, filled with barbed wire, broken houses, bins on fire. That is what emotionless sex is. It's destructive. It's destructive and corrosive to one's spirit. For if practiced enough, it would form a perception for life. It would form that this is only what sexual experience can be. Darkness. Emotionless sex is dark. It is dark and bereft of the light 
that should be imbued within your sexual experience, regardless of whether it's happening within exclusive monogamous relationships or open polygamous relationships. It should be amazed with light. I would like my client to have, upon seeing that she was taking him down the Badland pathway, bins on fire, houses breaking down, barbed wire along the side of the road, to say, hey, no, not, not that way. Not that way. And not to take her by the hand and drag her back to the gate of love because that would only dissolve the gate of love, but to just stop and ask her why. Why is it that you see love? Pause. Retract. Why is it that you see the pathway of sex has to go down the pathway of pain, of emotionless, emotionless engagement? Tell me why. Let me understand why. Going back to the tactics of the beginning part of this podcast, what have you experienced in your life? If those questions don't yield any results at first, that's okay. Go back through to the body. Take some time out. Go back to the body. Then connect with the eyes. Connect with the heart. If that doesn't yield any response, that's okay. Slow it down. Just breathe. Peace out that night. Say, okay, that's all we need to do tonight. And then if she's not willing to talk, if she's not willing to open up physically, she's just shut down altogether. That's okay. No worries. This is not her time. This is not our time. Nothing needs to happen within this time. No expectation, as I said before. The care on one hand, the deletion of expectation on the other. Hold both, and you will master yourself and others. Allowing others to master themselves. But many people are astounded and fluid, very fluid, very liquid, when they are presented with such levels of social dynamics to wish that, actually, this person cares about me. Actually, this person is asking about the trials and experiences of my life, not because he's trying to manipulate or leverage them, but he just wants to understand who I am. If you just you pump that, you pump that source of water, the person's going to drink. Most people will drink that. It's very, like I said, we are very liquid beings and we know when we are receiving a good source, when we're receiving good, good water, good water from a pure, pristine source. And you'll find that if not within the first try or the first attempt, a few hours later, someone would melt down their walls or maybe they would back away from the burning bridges and the barbed wire and the collapsing houses and come back towards your pathway of love through the gate. Which, when I say yours, it's not really yours. It's all of ours. It's just that many people forget that. Many people forget. Many people allow their horrific pain to lead them down a certain path and to continue to continue to walk that path for the rest of their lives. Needn't be the case though. That's what I would have liked my client to have done. But as I said before, you knock on the gate many times. That's one way in which that the gate, we didn't really even, he did attempt. He did attempt, just not enough. I said, knock on the gate as many times as you need. Take that person back as many times as you need. As slow as you need to. It doesn't have to happen in one night. And as you progress throughout your life, it doesn't have to happen with one person. Hey, there you go. Big lesson for you right there, for anyone who's sexually inexperienced. As you become, it is, the, it is the passage of learning to master yourself that as you are in the early stages of that, that you are going to be relatively shit at helping others to master themselves. So a lot of the times that you first try these, you first try to sit down with a girl, first try to look into her eyes first, just breathe with her first, just try to understand her first, you're probably not going to be very good at navigating that experience and navigating that conversation setting up that vessel of total vulnerability and total acceptance. You're probably not going to be very good at that. That's okay. 
because that is the journey of learning. And so it might not necessarily happen with that person. That's okay. Practice a detachment from expectation and validation and a result of outcome within human experience. Be grateful, be thankful, and move forward into the next. And as you move into the next, do a little bit better. Just a little bit better than the last bit. A little bit, little bit better than where you are picked up off from. And then, as you would accumulate sexual experiences across your life, and you might find yourself in, I don't know, who, who knows? Who knows how many it may be? It doesn't really matter. It may only be within three experiences. It might be within ten. It might take you a decade. But let's say it takes you a decade, and then finally, towards the end of your late 20s, if you started this practice as I've described here at your 18 or 19 years old, and you find yourself 28 or 29 as I am now, and then all of a sudden you find yourself rather masterful of not only mastering yourself, but that inorganically, organically, leaded to you being able to help others to master themselves so much more efficiently, so much more effectively. So now what you realize is that it's not such a calamitous thing. It's not such a mysterious thing or daunting thing, overwhelming thing to have a girl just fully let go within a sexual space for I had already learned how to let go of myself. As you become better at learning to let go of yourself, so you may help someone else to do the same for themselves. The freedom principle. Practice freedom within yourself. And when you let go of yourself, you are then free to act without limit. You start to practice this. You start to realize that, hang on, it's, it's not a coincidence now that I have absolutely no trouble with any feminine being that I interact with, with getting her to open up, whether it's a girl I literally have never met before and we're just on the phone call, or whether it's a girl that was friends of friends or mutual and we never met before, but we met up for a walk in the park, or whether it's a girl that I approached on the street. It's a girl that I just met on the beach last night. It's a girl that I met at a freedom rally. It's a girl that uh, I'd seen just at the gym and she needed some help re-racking or whatever it may have been. She needed a spot. Whoever it is, wherever they came from, you have absolutely no problem in getting that girl, regardless of how deep her pain was, to come and have a look at the gate. The gate you know which to be, love. Pathway that would walk through sex. Only in reflection though, looking back, that that in fact was the case. Because the entry point, the activation point was always love. Again, not Disney love, but true love. Love that comes without limit. Love that comes without ego. Love that comes without person. Love that comes with just now. That's so I'm talking about. I'm fired up about this. So, so to really step back now, what I've just gone through and described in this section of the podcast is, yeah, okay. If you're sexually inexperienced, learn to practice sex, the play, the physicality. You're going to need to learn the physicality of things. That's great. That doesn't mean that you get to be an emotionless robot. That doesn't mean you get to uh, ignore all the principles of being indifferent to someone's emotional set point, you're still going to do your best to be direct, congruent, authentic, covering with empathy, our sound principles of all time. You're going to attempt to do all those things at the same time, but your focus is not necessarily to access the gates of spiritual enlightenment in which that you would delete your concept of self and time in order to access the true potential of human experience through your sexual practice. That is the 
that is your end game, so to speak. That is your guiding light that you're always moving towards. And at first, you just have to learn how, how to even move your feet towards that gate or towards that path, towards that journey. And then, as you, I would hope it wouldn't take very long, though, if you had benefit of this type of content, if you had benefit of this type of podcast. I guess what I'm saying here is that I didn't have this. I didn't, I didn't have podcasts to listen to. I didn't have older brothers. I have older brothers, but I didn't have the older brothers to instruct me on this. I didn't know anyone who could instruct me on this. I still don't know anyone that could instruct me on this. I've never had a conversation with anyone that talks about the shit that I talk about. Whether that's a, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. I wish more people would talk about it this way, but I guess that's why I do the work that I do. So what I'm saying is I'm reflecting back on my journey in which that it took me a good bit of time to transcend from sex is just sex to now it needs to be love first and then sex is something we look back on afterwards. Right, that transcendence, that journey took me a few years to go through, quite a few years to go through, through many various varying styles, lengths, and duration of relationships with different depths of emotion felt between the two of us. This is the importance of sexual practice in my opinion, and why I've always said that sexual practice, yes, casual sex, no. Sex done in an open style with full intent to care for the other person, to understand who you are in relation to that person and to help them experience really the best of a human experience possible. Yes. Casual sex, no. But everything else that I just said, yes. Right? Because casual sex is emotionless by the definition of, or by the way of us defining in this podcast in which that if you're going to have emotionless sex, yeah, that's very casual. It's very casual. Sex should not be, sex should be anything but casual. Sex should be everything. That helps a human being to immerse themselves not only in the true knowledge of who they are, but who the person in front of them is, so that you could too join each other in an eternal practice of no oneness. Is there anything else that I more that I need to say? I would hope that anyone listening to this podcast that would go forward now whether you're in a monogamous relationship or an open style relationship or in no relationship and you're just learning to get your beak wet within the sexual arena. Always do it with empathy for the other person in front of you. Always do it with empathy for yourself. Don't burn yourself. Right? If you're going to engage in emotionless sex, just know that you, you're going down that barbed wire, set a light on fire pathway. You will eventually corrupt yourself. Because human beings are not designed to be emotionless. Human beings are not designed to mask their innate feelings. Human beings are not designed to have to be guarded within spaces that should inherently be safe. To be naked with another human being should be the safest place you could be. I guarantee you right now that for any girl that I've been naked with, that has been the safest place she could have been. And every masculine being should uphold that value. Not just safe physically, but of course safe spiritually is what I'm alluding to there. Both. This life is your time. This life is your time. It is your test. 
Who can say whether you will have another chance? But what we all know is that you have now. So, to finish on that point, I love my client. I love my client for even when he's not doing his best, as, as is the case for most of my clients, which is why they need to come to me, because they found that they were not able to do their best. So they needed a point of guidance. You know, show yourself compassion for your human condition of imperfection. And that love itself is our perfection. And the pursuit of that will always be your perfection. Don't stress yourselves out too much. You know, we're all going to the same place. So, slow it down. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you're here. Enjoy the experience while you're here. Don't give up on yourself so readily. you got some time. You haven't got all the time, but you have some time. So every day, do a little better with your time. And with that being said, I wish you all so much power and honor in your experience as human beings. Thank you. That brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, it's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, bowl sip. Just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So I thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.